0: midwife calling. Hello and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast, where we take each episode of Call the Midwife one by one without spoilers. I'm Jan Moffat.
1: I'm Dr. Paul Moffat, not that kind of doctor, and this week we're talking about the third episode of the third season of Call the Midwife. This episode was directed by Juliet May and written by Liz Lake. Juliet May directed the last episode, the second episode of season three, and this is not the last we will see of her, but this is Liz Lake's only episode writing, Call the Midwife.
0: All right, so let's get into the recap. Mature Jenny narrates about working all hours and how the nuns rose early no matter what. Over lunch, they discuss Chummy's upcoming birthday. Meanwhile, Sister Julienne gets a phone call and recruits recruits Trixie to help her go to the women's prison to provide care. They arrive at the prison to poor conditions and angry inmates. They meet Stella Krangle, who is due any day, June, who has just given birth, and Maureen, who is angry. Sister Julianne and Trixie are upset and mount a crusade for better care. Meanwhile, Fred buys theatre tickets to My Fair Lady off a couple on the dock, selling them later to Jenny and Cynthia for Chummy's birthday. In the clinic, Kathy Baker has varicose veins, but doesn't want to wear the ugly stockings. She later wakes in her house and bangs her leg, hurting herself. Her husband, Stan, takes her to Dr. Turner's office, where she is booked into the maternity home for high blood pressure and for her hurt legs.
1: So the opening here sets up, like, this is a Sister Julianne-focused episode, Mm -hmm. and the opening voiceover about, like, we all worked hard, uh, but the nuns got up even when we didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table, uh... This is not my favorite episode of Call the Midwife ever because I feel like there are a lot of ideas that are kind of begun but not fully developed. Mm-hmm. And one of those is like the idea that this voiceover sets up for us is the nuns work harder even than the midwives and let's take a moment and focus on what the nuns work on. And I don't think that even though it's focused on Sister Julianne, I don't think it quite pays off in the whole episode that she would have worked... like, Yeah, I agree. This is the kind of story that Jenny could easily have done.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you want to tell us a story about how the, the nurses worked hard, but the nuns worked even harder, I'd like to have seen something that only Sister Julianne could have or would have done, which I don't think this story is.
0: Mm, I think we'll get to that a little more. Maybe. But And I I wonder if talking about this episode might make the plots fit together a bit more, but it does feel like a puzzle piece of plots that don't all really connect to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that the Sister Julienne story is the strongest story, which is probably why they chose to focus on it in these beginning Mm -hmm. moments. But they added a lot of extra stuff to this episode.
1: I really like, I really love like these moments in this episode. We see it right at the beginning and we'll see it later on in the episode of like Sister Julienne Getting up and preparing for her morning devotions and later Mm. preparing for Compline by herself. And, like, I think that's really well done. I like that there isn't dialogue. There isn't, like, voiceover. We just see her praying.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: I feel like it's very effective. So... I'll say that for sure on the good. Like, when I say this isn't my favorite episode of Call the Midwife, I still really like it, though. Mm, Absolutely. (laughs) It's a high bar. (laughs) The voiceover says that the sisters, we were all uh, trying to make the world a better place or whatever, but the sisters were in service of a larger cause.
0: And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things
1: that I'm like, I feel like they say that in the first voiceover. And I suppose it's all left to subtext the rest of the episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And I maybe would have liked it just a little bit stronger in the payoff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So they go to this prison mm-hmm. where they haven't had a midwife or haven't had proper care for these women in like a month, a while.
1: Yeah, they tell us the amount of time. I didn't write down didn't the amount of time, but it's like, I mean... uh Stella hasn't seen a midwife in weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. And she's nearing the end of her pregnancy where you would see, you know, today you would see your doctor at the end of your pregnancy you're going every week. Mm -hmm. And... uh, There's also June who's just given birth and had her baby taken away which is the major theme of what happens to these women in prison is their babies are taken away from them. Yeah, And... And not had any postpartum care, and so she's, like, it's just awful. She's clearly in a lot of pain, and the wardens are like, well, if she needed someone, she should have told us. Like, I think she did tell you by screaming out in pain. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, the three women that we see in the prison, and uh, Stella gets, by far, the lion's share of the story, but... Mm -hmm they're all there kind of for thematic reasons if not necessarily plot ones like june it's about uh showing i mean all three of them are but june is about showing that they aren't getting the care that they need in prison the Mm -hmm. like necessary postpartum care and then when uh they try to transfer to a hospital the prison's like very resistant and it also really establishes, like you said, the not just theoretical, but the like practical babies get taken away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so her baby exactly. gets taken away, and then through the rest of the episode, Stella's focused on not getting her baby taken away, and it's not just like, I've heard that that happens. Even for us, the audience, it's not just I've heard that that happens, it's like we have a baby taken away in the mm-hmm. first minutes of the episode.
0: Yeah. And we know that Maureen... We find out later that Maureen has already had a baby taken away and is pregnant and will likely have her baby taken away again. And so this is kind of... This is the pattern for her. And Stella wants to not be Maureen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, June and and Maureen are both there as kind of cautionary tales to Stella, Mm -hmm. for Stella and for the audience. Like, this is what Stella could be if no one helps her. Mm -hmm. And it's about pain and anger, right? So what Stella can be could be if no one helps her what stella could be uh is in pain like june or angry like maureen mm-hmm. that's her future that she's trying to avoid yeah mm-hmm. going to the uh, the prison mm-hmm. uh on the way in trixie is just so like um indignant about being searched on the way into prison and no, like
0: no she's not indignant about seeing search she's indignant about sister Julianne being searched right yeah which is a little bit softer because true. like you're searching a nun what do you think a nun's gonna bring in
1: that's true i just thought like come on it's a prison <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> the thing that they the nuns sister Angelina and sister monica jones say on the when they're talking about the prison or it's sister Evangelina and sister Julianne, sorry, mm-hmm. say on the way into the prison. Is sister Evangelina says it's no place to have a baby, mm-hmm. and sister Julianne says, and yet have them they will.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: And it's just like,
0: and Trixie echoes that later when Stella gives birth. Is like it is no place to have a baby.
1: Yep. Stella is trying has a reader's handbook, and she's trying to. I mean. By the end of the episode, we know the story, but Trixie mm. thinks it's for the baby. Yeah. It's like... Pick up context clues, Trixie. But also, like, she...
0: Trixie just has a naivete about this, and Sister Julianne gets it right away.
1: Yeah. That she has a reader's book because she's learning to read, not mm. because she's planning on teaching her... I mean, I'm sure she's also hoping to teach her baby to read, but mm-hmm. it's for herself. Do you want to talk a bit about Chummy's birthday? Yeah, I mean,
0: that's kind of how it starts, is they're all sitting around being like, what should we get for Chummy's birthday? And a record of box fugues, or like, I, when Fred, all... Fred sings, and they all just kind of stare at him. I love that moment. Of like, <laughs> oh, Fred. <laughs> Wrong crowd.
1: I have to put on the record here, that they're talking about records to uh, record. I have to put... Uh, into evidence here that they're talking about records to give Chummy and Sister Monica Jones says box prologues and fugues are unrivaled and I'm just going to say correct (laughs) 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 that's supposed to be like she's all out of touch but like no box prologues and fugues are unrivaled excuse me (laughs) okay anyway and and then they're talking about a movie and uh, Sister uh,
0: Winifred mentions 39 Steps
1: Sister Winifred mentions that thriller she's heard about, Thirty Nine Steps, which is a Hitchcock movie. I hadn't heard of it, but it's a, a Hitchcock movie mm-hmm. about an innocent man on the run. I don't see a strong thematic connection, just it's no. a movie that is uh, out of the time. Out at the time. But she says this movie I've heard of. <laughs> I heard a lot about, Mr. Evangeline says. Heard about? Or seen, and Sister Winifred looks very sheepish, but doesn't answer.
0: she doesn't answer. (laughs) She is obviously sneaking
1: out to see movies. Yeah,
0: there's always a case, like, the younger nuns are just, have a little bit more freedom than than a Sister Evangelina would like.
1: (laughs) Yep. And again, though, like, it's funny. Does it have anything to do with anything? It's a throwaway line, but, like, Sister Winifred sneaking out to see movies, does it have anything to do with anything? maybe if we really really stretch it's like about the freedom of holy orders compared to the freedom the lack of freedom of prison that they're mm-hmm. both about staying where you are but it's one is strict and the other isn't but mm-hmm. i think our one is mandated and the other is voluntary but i think that's a stretch That's mm-hmm. like if i'm grasping at straws
0: yep So Fred buys these tickets off of the people at the dock who are so sketchy. Like, come on, Fred. (laughs) Although Fred's sketchy. So I think that's why he doesn't recognize it, because Fred is not entirely on the up and up himself most of the time. No. So he's, so a con artist maybe has trouble recognizing a con artist, but he should have more, he should be better at recognizing a con artist.
1: Because he's uh, always on the lookout for a deal. Yeah. He is. He's like, by the end of the episode, we find out that those tickets are fake, and it's just like, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That was the least shocking, shocking reveal in the history of the world, Mm -hmm. when they go eventually. And it turns out the tickets aren't real.
0: Yeah. So the last plot point, not quite, actually, there's one more, but Kathy Baker is the pregnant mom who's the poplar mom that Jenny's seeing. And she's got varicose veins in her legs and she's, she's really upset because her husband thinks she's beautiful Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to be not beautiful.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: And that's basically the plot of her story throughout the whole episode.
1: Yeah. She won't wear the, uh, stockings. She'll insist on wearing tights because they make her legs look beautiful, but Mm -hmm. they're causing her pain.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: as Jenny says, varicose veins and bandages aren't beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like but we see uh I don't think in this, I think in the next section, but it's just a little moment where like she get does the whole thing of like getting up early to put on makeup and do her hair before her husband wakes up to see her sort of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Did I... I famously think of that from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Which if you haven't watched that, you should. And it's uh
1: she's very much <laughs> get up. It's a comedy, but she's it's the same idea. She like sets an alarm, gets up early, puts on full makeup and hair and then goes back into bed for her husband to wake up and pretends that she just woke up like that. Exactly. Exactly. When they've been married, they have like Th- three kids two, two kids, kids two kids They've been been very for a long while. time anyway yeah it's just like oh what wow. one, <laughs> one last thing in this section they're all going to see my fair lady and they want to play the records in the common area and sister evangelina says i've lived through two world wars and the blitz but i think julie andrews might polish me off <laughs> she, storms she storms
0: off way <laughs> like <laughs> she's so grumpy (laughs) i love her (laughs) so in our next section uh sheila sends away for a pregnancy test but needs dr turner's signature (laughs) she's excited but cautious as she doesn't feel right trixie and sister Julianne arrive at the prison again to find stella krangle working mopping the floor she gets into a fight with maureen and the midwives help her they meet tom harroward the chaplain for the prison He's helpful with providing compassion for Stella. Sister Julienne talks with Stella about her trying to learn to read and write, and she is very stressed about her baby being taken away from her, despite having a fiancé. The fight has to go on the record, and Stella is distressed and begs Sister Julienne for help. Meanwhile, Kathy Baker is having a hard time with bed rest and is worried about losing her husband because she can't look her best. Sister Julienne finds a book of Peter Pan for Stella to learn to read. And Sheila gets the results for pregnancy test, which are negative. She's worried something is wrong, so Dr. Turner finds a doctor who can run tests and give her a surgery.
1: Let's talk about uh, Sheila and and Doctor Turner.
0: Yeah, so this is the other plot in this episode. So it's like like I said, it's got a lot of plots. And so this is like mostly because I feel like we've gotten to the point now in season three where we have so many characters that we don't want to give up any of their threads at any given time. And Sheila and Dr. Turner are such strong characters for the show and have become such a linchpin that they have to keep their plot going, Mm -hmm. which is good, but it's also... Uh, a little bit grates against some of the other stuff happening. I feel like they could have lost some of the plots in this episode to kind of leave room for that couple. Mm-hmm. Because I love them so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it goes... doesn't get a lot of time, but it gets a lot of emotional weight. Mm-hmm. That Sheila wants to be pregnant, but she's pessimistic. The downsides of being married to the... Uh, local doctor that she can't get a secret pregnancy test and surprise him (laughs)
0: Yeah, is that he has to sign because he's the doctor not because he's their husband right
1: i assume i assume that too maybe i'm wrong that's what i thought was it's because he's her gp he has to sign to send a pregnancy test in yeah but you're right though i don't know it could be because he's her husband but people do Hmm. i don't know (laughs) yeah until you said that, it never occurred to me yeah. that it wasn't because he's her, He's the doctor.
0: I love their conversations about uh, gynecology that, on one hand, they're both professionals and they know what they're talking about and so they can talk very frankly with each other. But on the other hand, Sheila's a little bit like you're also my husband and I don't really want to talk about all the like inner workings of my body with you. I want it to be a bit of a mystery and and like an exciting surprise when I say, Hey, we're having a baby. So it's to be romantic. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like both of them have this, like this knowledge and this way that they can talk to each other, but also they both feel awkward that they have to talk about this with each other.
1: I think it's very sweet. It's very sweet. And that he's very like, no matter what happens, you, you tell me, and you just watch my face. Mm-hmm. And then when she's like, maybe I'm not pregnant, and he's like, well, let's get the test and find out, and we're together. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I like it. Me too. Uh, and then by the end of the the this section you just recapped, we find out that uh, she's not pregnant. Yeah. She goes to the... The surgery she gets is exploratory. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... uh, It's discovery surgery. Yeah. And they find out that the TB has changed things. Yeah, that's later in the episode. So she goes... She's worried that she's not going to be pregnant. And uh, Patrick says... TB is a serious disease. Mm -hmm. And so this, like... Yeah. This fear... Uh in their story. Um, and we're back in the prison, back in the prison. Uh, Stella and Maureen have this fight in the prison that reminds me of uh, so much of the very first episode of the show <laughs> when the Ooh, women yeah. have a fight on the street and only sister Evangelina can break it up.
0: Yes, that's really true. I forgot about that fight. But that's yeah. I'm also, honestly, I can't watch uh, something with women in prison without thinking of, like, Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. And, like, how this is taking place in the 50s and that is taking place in the now. And, like, things haven't changed much in a prison. That No. There's been maybe some prison reform, but not much. And then, and so, like, for them to go in and this pregnant woman that they've been, like, she needs bed rest is back on her feet and working. Because well, it's prison. Doesn't matter if you're pregnant. You're not going to get coddled. Is very distressing. Yeah. But she's also choosing to work because she gets paid a tiny, tiny amount.
1: A tiny amount, like all the money that she's saved, and they say it's like six pounds. Yeah. Which like
0: six pence? It's like ti- it's like so small. Not I don't think it's even a pound. Right. I think it's less than a pound that she's saved
1: very little anyway Mm -hmm. and then the cruelty in that moment too where like just talking about the money that she saved is like i'm saving up my money so i can afford and the prison warden is like six pounds how far six pence how far is that gonna get you and like you're the one paying her that i mean i know the warden doesn't decide the pay i'm sure it's like Mm -hmm. government but like you're the one paying her that little, and then you're using the fact that she's paid that little as evidence that she's unfit. Yeah. You know, like...
0: Mm-hmm. Her begging Sister Julian for help, saying that no one will help her, is heartbreaking. Yeah. And that's where this episode, like, that the prison story is the best story, because to have this woman crying out in pain, crying out for begging for help is uh is what this show is all about Mm -hmm. is uh we've seen it before i think of like the first season and kathleen with her baby that jenny helps and again and again women crying out in pain it's all its forms Mm -hmm. is what this show is about
1: and her line specifically is why won't anyone help me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's like yeah it is a especially strong case in point that stella particularly cannot survive or succeed without someone helping her yeah and there's it's like uh they don't quite in this episode make it textual but there's a subtext especially in the way that Sister Julianne talks of like that's true for everyone
0: mm-hmm.
1: Stella doesn't have the help that other people do but it's true for everyone that they need it we get a little bit from Tom about Maureen and why she's she's very angry at the world and no wonder mm-hmm. uh, it's just a little throwaway line but it's like She's also someone who hasn't gotten help. Exactly. I like Tom.
0: Yeah, so this is our first meeting of Tom Harroward. who, like, I mean, spoilers, I guess, but this is a character that's coming back.
1: He yeah, is... that's not a, uh, we won't say in what capacity or anything, but... It was exciting the, to see him, being like, This isn't Tom! the last we ever see of Tom. <laughs> exactly. and I He's so very earnest and mm-hmm. well-meaning in this episode.
0: Yeah. I feel like him and Sister Julianne talking, there's a shorthand there of, we're both religious. We're both wanting to help people. Obviously, we're both here in this prison. Our faith is a big part of this. Mm -hmm. And so they can talk about compassion without pretense Mm -hmm. to each other, which I really enjoyed that. And also to see that sister julienne and trixie are not coming in there as like they're the only people in the world who ever helped these women. No. No, they're coming alongside there are other people in there too who even who know the story even better. But they sister Julianne is there for stella at this moment. Yeah. And I think later on when she's being told like you know you say yourself sister julienne we can't help anyone everyone. She's like, but I can help her. She's not anyone. And she is there at a place at a time in Stella's life.
1: Yeah, I feel like that is such a strong, it's I think in the next section, but we'll jump ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that moment that Trixie says, you say yourself, we can't help everyone is such a strong moment in this episode and in the show, mm-hmm. because like, we can't help everyone, but I can help her Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's the continual dilemma of the show right and of life
0: (laughs) yeah i mean like she couldn't help june who had already lost her baby she can't help maureen because maureen is not in a place to receive help
1: but stella is she can help stella and it we usually see it is one of the things i of Kind of a different perspective on Sister Julianne because we usually do see C- Sister Julianne as the voice of like, you do what you can and you move on.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And this
1: time we see Sister Julianne being like, you do what you can and then you do more.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Exactly.
1: Um, she gives Stella a copy of Peter Pan mm-hmm. to learn to read. What do you think about that? Like, of all books, this is another thing where, like, I feel like if this was a stronger episode, it would be a meaningful book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not sure I see it. Yeah, but a book. Peter Pan's good. Yeah, I love but a Peter Pan. A boy that doesn't
0: want to grow up, unless she wants to grow up. And so, like, it's. Yeah, I don't really see where it's connected, aside from the fact that she has a boy and names him
1: Peter later about dreams, they say, mm-hmm. and defeating monsters by dreaming. I just, I don't quite see why Peter Pan.
0: It's a hopeful book. Yeah. And she needs some hope. Yes. And she needs an interesting story when she's been reading basic readers.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Um, one last thing about the prison is just when they arrive at the prison... And the guard is like, You're not in the logbook. And Sister Julianne says, Nevertheless. <laughs> Nevertheless. And it's just like, <laughs> Love it. That is Sister Julianne being so calm and powerful.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. I do feel like you said that, Sister Julianne, this could be a story about any of them at the beginning but sister julianne by virtue of being a nun commands a different respect yeah when it comes to this situation and is able to do different things that if jenny if it was jenny in the situation couldn't have done
1: Hmm. i mean maybe I'll, I'll buy it season one jenny couldn't have but we've seen before someone like Trixie. Being like, I am a professional and you will respect me. Yeah. And like wielding some real authority by virtue of her profession. Mm-hmm.
0: But doesn't right. have the connections that Sister Julian has at the end for yeah. getting her
1: job. Kathy gets checked into the maternity ward and talks about how she doesn't want to disappoint Stan by not being beautiful because mm-hmm. he could have picked anyone.
0: Yeah.
1: It's kind of a... There's not a lot of story there.
0: Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's to set off the difference between Stella and Kathy that Stella has no man there and is not worried about losing anyone except for her baby. Whereas Kathy doesn't even seem to really care that she's having a baby. It's the fact that she's like lost her figure and is worried about losing her husband because of that yeah and she's very superficial yeah but i don't think we ever see any depth from kathy even though like yeah it's just all superficial and it's a story we've seen before it's a story we've seen before so i feel like it really lifts out yeah yeah
1: it's a fine like it's a fine story but we yeah we've seen it before and it, we're not getting depth in this episode that we haven't gotten in other episodes. We're not mm-hmm. getting a perspective on that story that we haven't already gotten, except maybe a little bit with Stan's reaction at the end. Yeah. yeah.
0: Speaking of which, Jenny delivers Kathy's baby, but she struggles and her husband is stressed out in the waiting area. He comes to meet the baby, but Kathy vomits and he runs away. Jemmy, <laughs> Peter, Alec, Jenny, Trixie, and Cynthia go to the theater but Trixie struggles to be happy when thinking of the ladies in the prison. Alec and Peter discover that the tickets are counterfeit, so they head to the pub to play darts instead. Alec says that he loves Jenny, but she doesn't say it back. Stella goes into labour and Trixie goes immediately to help. Her and Sister Julianne deliver the baby, a boy. Sister Julianne returns the next day to help her with her hearing, and uncovers the truth that there isn't a fiancé after all. Sister Julianne is upset because she cannot lie for her, but attempts to help her regardless. Meanwhile, Trixie has lice, and Sister Winifred gleefully helps her. (laughs) Kathy and her husband bond, with him feeling guilty about being squeamish and getting past her insecurity. Sister Julienne talks to Fred and continues to try to do everything she can to help Stella.
1: Yeah. So, like, let's just get out of the way. We said this already, but Mm -hmm. uh, the tickets were fake. The tickets were fake. Color me unsurprised. Mm Mm-hmm. They go play darts instead, and Chummy is really good at darts, which is a, which I love.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. And
1: Jenny is not good at darts, which again color me unsurprised. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I also love them going off on their date. Jenny and Alec, Chummy and Peter, Cynthia and Trixie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> arm in arm. Arm and arm. And they really like they do lampshade that. Yeah. They're like, well, arm and arm. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Oh, and uh, about this whole thing, they're all, the nurses are all drinking Campari. And I totally agree with Jenny and Cynthia. Campari is terrible.
0: <laughs> I don't think I've ever had Campari. What even is it?
1: It's a, it's an herb liqueur. It's bright red. It's very, very bitter. Hmm. Very bitter. And usually you would drink it with like, a. Bit of you—it's like uh, you drink it like whiskey and soda. Mm. So a, a bit of Campari and then lots of soda, and then it's like. It seems like they are drinking a ton of Campari, <laughs> but maybe it's got soda in it. Maybe we assume that yeah. that's a mix. If it's straight Campari, they're like going to die. <laughs> 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 the huge tumblers full of kambari. Yeah, it must be a mix. <laughs> but it's like it's very, very, very bitter. Mm. And maybe I it would grow on me, but I didn't. I didn't like it very much. No. <laughs> it's not it's so not important to the plot. I
0: also love. I skimmed over it in the recap, but Chummy comes early yeah. because the getting ready part is the best, and that is so sweet of Peter to make sure she can do that. And of course, that's the most fun thing is she gets to hang out with her girlfriends again
1: and Trixie does her hair Mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's all very nice yeah
0: exactly and they're needling Jenny about Alec and Alec later like says you know the woman I'm in love with and she can't say it back and so this is like this is a thread that we've had this entire season is that she's in this relationship with Alec and they seem like they're in love but there's this, like, when, when it's the 50s, you're in this relationship, the assumption is you're going to get married. Like, this is your marriage relationship. This is, you know, you're heading down the aisle. When's it going to happen? And Jenny just, like, doesn't want to rush and doesn't want to leave her career. Because mm-hmm. if she gets married, it feels like that's going to be the end of, of what is she's established as her career so far.
1: And we've seen from the very beginning that Alec likes her more than she likes him. Or, like, Alec likes her more than she likes the idea of him, even.
0: Yeah. Maybe.
1: Maybe she likes him perfectly fine. I don't like this. I love you. Thank you. Is such a worn-out TV trope, and I don't like it. Yes, that's true. That's true. I've seen it, like, a million times. I roll my eyes at it. Mm, Yeah. It's, like, what is dramatizing is that the uh, affection in the relationship is uneven, which is sad and is a thing that happens and is sad when it does Mm -hmm. but like i just uh, i've seen it's it's worn out to me yeah but the way that trick that jenny articulates it talking to cynthia about like i like him lots i just don't want to be married and have kids and like you said, she doesn't say it in this episode, but in previous ones, give up my career like
0: and it's a shame that she doesn't have that option, Mhm, and even like Trixie is still working as a midwife a little bit, but she's not chummy, even chummy, sorry, chummy is still working as a midwife a little bit, but she's not uh not able to still have her full on career the way Jenny wants it, yeah. And her calling, it's not just, like, her career, it's her, she feels called to it, so to leave that is a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. We have, oh, and, uh, I don't know, Trixie has lice. Yes. What to do on it? I don't know what to make of that, other than, <laughs> um, oh dear. That,
0: only that, like, uh, we've heard of Winifred having to pick nits before, and so of course it's Winifred... Sister Winifred picking the knits and, like, she just always has a smile. I love Sister Winifred so much because of, like... She, like,
1: how many people can could pull off? She looks like she is genuinely having fun picking yeah. knits out of Trixie's hair. Yeah. Trixie is not having fun.
0: No, definitely not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the section where we find out that Stella's been lying. Yeah, she, she doesn't, doesn't have, have a fiancé.
0: Because... Because Sister Julianne is trying so hard to help her. And she's like, well, maybe if I can find the fiancé and call him back from his boat and all that stuff. And then she meets the baby, finds out his name is Peter, and he's like, not after his dad. And the penny drops immediately. Mm -hmm. Sister Julianne is not stupid. No. So she immediately is like, oh, there's not a fiancé, of course. But then because she's figured that out, she can't lie. Yep. And that's part of the religious order life of hers, is like maybe if this was one of the midwives as opposed to the nuns, they could lie. I don't think so. I don't think so. I guess it's like an official hearing, so I guess they would be in big trouble if they lied. Yeah. But like But there's no debate for her about no. lying. Whatsoever. No,
1: it's true. I think maybe you're right. If it was uh, one of the midwives, they would, like, consider the... It would be a moral dilemma whether to lie, but Sister Julianne has no dilemma.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, like, she feels... She has an internal dilemma, but she has no inability to decide what to do.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, and, like...
0: But she talks to Fred, and she... Makes as many phone calls as she can, and it's really hard, but she's working, you know, she's like, I'm going to do everything I can,
1: Mm -hmm. which I love. And Stan comes back and feels, Stan, uh, sorry. Kathy's husband. Kathy's husband, Stan, like, is so happy about the baby, but then seems to be unhappy that Kathy isn't looking glamorous, but then comes back and is like, no, I was just, uh, feel like I'm letting you down is why I left and Mm. I never will again. i was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, his reaction, I said his reaction might be the only thing that is a little bit uh, fresh in this story, which is that, you know, we have a moment of thinking that she's right. Yeah. And then he comes back and is like, no, it was... Yeah.
0: I just... I'm afraid to let you down. Yeah. It's hard for me. And I mean, I'm sure they do exist and I know they do exist, but it's so hard for me to wrap my brain around a person who would actually be upset that their wife looked poor after giving birth. Yeah. Like, are there really people who would like, why are you with someone who you're worried about? would be mad at you for not looking good after giving birth. If you're worried that your partner is going to be upset with you for not looking perfect all the time, don't be with them because you're not going to look perfect all the time. <laughs> it's why like in sickness and in health is in the vows. Yikes. Indeed. Anyway, that's just a little side rant about like, don't be in a relationship with someone who you can't trust to love you despite when you, look like garbage
1: (laughs) and it's like they're trying they've it's early on kathy said she didn't want to let him down and then now he says he doesn't want to let her down yeah but it's a little bit too like he she doesn't want to let him down by looking less than perfect and he doesn't want to let her down by leaving when anything gets hard Mm. (laughs) like those are not equal
0: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly
1: (laughs) but anyway they both feel loved at the end and yay (laughs) yeah
0: exactly so Alec comes by, bringing theater tickets and taking back his profession of love to make things easier. Dr. Turner, accompan- <laughs> yeah. Dr. Turner accompanies Sheila as the doctor, and they find out that she has scar tissue from TB and is unlikely to be able to conceive. Stella has her hearing, and Sister Julianne arrives late to speak well of Stella and say she has found a place for her to be a cleaner, and so she gets to keep her baby. She continues to learn to write and writes a lovely letter to Sister Julienne to say thank you. Sister Evangelina finds the con artist theatre ticket <laughs> sellers and gets uh-huh. all the money back. Uh-huh. Mature Jenny narrates about hope through darkness and all the nurses find out that they have lice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the end. <laughs> um, Sister Evangelina getting the money back and then she gives them all a lecture. Yeah, exactly. Of like, you all wanted a bargain. And Fred's like, I should have just given you the tickets. Yeah. And she's like, it's not just Fred's fault, though. You jumped on a bargain, too. Yep. Uh, actually, she gives the lecture first and then she gets the money back, which is very Sister of Angelina. She, yeah, doesn't, exactly. she gives you the harsh first and the moral first. And then she gets you your money back and makes things good. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, they don't show the scene of like her taken down those con artists, but like I love I love to imagine it because she would be the
1: best. <laughs> Just like give me that money. Sheila, we find out that the T B changed things mm-hmm. in her uh pelvic organs is what she what they say. Yeah. Basically uh,
0: she's got scars on her lungs and her uterus.
1: And she says, I'm sorry. I know. And like I really like that it it's kind of a parallel actually to Stan and Kathy. Mhm. Because she's afraid of letting him down for things that are completely outside of her control. Yeah. And we don't have with Dr. Turner a moment of wondering whether he's let down. Yeah, exactly. He's, she says, I'm sorry. And he's just like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I really like his reaction there. Me too. That he doesn't have a moment of like, yeah, you should be.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. Even
1: as a fake out for the audience, he's mm-hmm. just like, sorry, <laughs> yeah. so many dreams came true and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I like their relationship through this whole episode. mm mm-hmm. And Alec takes back. I interrupted your <laughs> recap. To say, Alec says, "I don't love you any. I don't love you actually. As long as we can be together, I'm yep. like okay, that's gonna end well." Yeah. Um. But then he takes her to see my fair lady for yeah. real. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, that I love that. Hilarious. That's hilarious. And the episode ends with the voiceover that hope is a thing of extraordinary power. It feeds the soul, yet it can torment it. Which is maybe the how the scalping tickets plot fits in with the other plots. Mm. It's about hope. Yeah, it's about hope. Right? That thinking you had the tickets and then not getting them was is worse than not going at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking you, that Stella thinking she's going to have a baby and then it be taken away would be worse than not having one at all. Yeah. And that's what Maureen, like having three babies taken away Mm -hmm. is like she's angry at the world with reason yeah uh and sheila and patrick like thinking that she's pregnant that she might be pregnant and then learning instead that she likely can't ever get pregnant Mm -hmm. is like hope is powerful but it's tormenting also
0: it is yeah it's true. That does bring together a lot of the plots.
1: Still doesn't really connect Kathy and Stan. <laughs>
0: doesn't really. The fact that Sister Julianne manages to find Stella a place is uh they're like they trust you? No. They trust like they trust that Stella is coming, like no, they trust me. They trust my judgment. Yeah. Sister Julianne is willing to put her reputation on the line Mm -hmm. so that Stella can have a job. And you're right.
1: That is where it couldn't have been Jenny.
0: Yeah. Like, that's a lot to put her reputation on the line like that. Because Stella could, like, we don't even know. She doesn't have the fiance. We don't know exactly her situation. If she's desperate, she could turn to crime again. Yeah. But probably won't. She and probably sister Julianne is smart and knows that.
1: This like, when we find out that there's no fiance, and Stella's like, "Would you, sister Julianne's like, didn't you know they would find out? <laughs> like, yeah, you can't keep this up forever." And it's kind of the same. Like she's uh, she's in prison for theft. Mm-hmm. She's like, I didn't really steal anything. I was just borrowing it to get by. Is the same basic uh, kind of magical thinking mm-hmm. of, if I can just get by right now, things will be good eventually. Yeah. If I can just convince them that I have a fiancé right now, I don't care about the future.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's that that is like the risk, right? That mm-hmm. she has good intentions and she is willing to work hard, but she has shown herself to have a lot of trouble with consequences mm-hmm. and thinking about what the consequences are going to be, yeah, and so like it's a real risk, mm-hmm. right? It sure is. But it's a risk worth taking,
0: and it's a relatable risk. It's a relatable yeah. uh, that thought- magical thinking is very relatable. Like
1: oh yeah. That.
0: All right. Well, that's this episode. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: what is your favorite part?
0: Oh, what is my favorite part? Um, I gotta go with Sister Evangelina getting back the money from the con artists, because <laughs> it's so funny, and I always like a funny moment. But second to that, sorry, I'm going to pick two, is <laughs> Sister Julianne saying, I have a job for Stella. She can keep her baby.
1: Yeah, how about you? Uh, I am think I'm going to say a thing we didn't even really talk about, which is, uh, Fred and Sister Julianne's conversation mm. Yeah, Where Fred says, when my wife died and I was in the army, I would have given anything to take care of my two kids. Mm -hmm. And I thought about deserting. But I had someone, at least. Yeah. And it's, I love when Fred is, like, has perspective. Mm -hmm. I love these moments that kind of soften and round out Fred, that he could be so easy to be just, uh... You know, wheeler-dealer, one one-note. Yeah. But this, like... It doesn't make him any less of a wheeler-dealer, uh, semi-con artist. But, like... Not a con artist, but, like, you know. This... He... I don't think he gives Sister Julienne a perspective she doesn't have. I just really love this moment of mm-hmm. the two of them talking and sharing their wisdom... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for being with us and listening to this episode with us. Uh, How do we end this show? If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, poplar at com. You can find us on Twitter, at Poplar Opinion. And we would love to hear your thoughts about this episode or this show, this, uh, call the midwife or popular opinion. Um, if you like this show, please support it. You can do that by telling your friends and you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast.
0: Thanks for listening. I've been Jan Moffat.
1: I've been Paul Moffat.
0: And that's just my popular opinion. How does it <laughs> Usually usually do the <laughs> outro. Yep. That's fine. That's fine.